Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Meredith. This episode features Dr. Rick Zimmerman from the University of Pittsburgh. In this episode, he discusses RSV vaccine recommendations in older adults, including how the CDC ACIP develops its vaccine recommendation. To find more information about our expert faculty, as well as other activities from this program, including downloadable slides, please visit the link in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what he has to say about this topic. There has been a major scientific advancement, and that is understanding the stereochemistry. And I will be brief on this, but it's been a major advance, the stereochemistry of RSV. We have on our right, looks like an icicle. That is the F protein on the the virus, on the RSV, that allows the virus to hook on to a human cell. You notice it looks like an icicle, and the old vaccines that were tried, and we've been trying RSV vaccines for decades, were made against that. But what Barney Graham's lab at NIH discovered is that there's another form. This virus has a prefusion form, and it looks more like an apple on a stick or a lollipop. And that's what circulates initially as a virus infects. And that is the construct that has worked so successfully so that we're here talking about RSV vaccines today. All the old stuff was done against this, and it's his lab at NIH that helped figure out the difference and how the virus is clever enough to shape shift, to change its conformation, to go from the one to the other. And that is the key. We learned that we need the prefusion, the one on the left, that version for our vaccines. And that's the great advancement, that's what will neutralize the virus. So we have two now licensed, two different manufacturers, F-protein vaccines based on that. And there's one that's just finished phase three studies using messenger RNA technology that is not yet licensed, but we have two licensed ones. These two licensed vaccines are, first of all, the Pfizer vaccine, which is a bivalent F-protein, and that's in the, uh, the purple, our lavender color. And if you want to remember, just remember P purple for the Pfizer, that'll be your clue because we're trying to be non-biased in these. The GSK in the blue is an adjuvanted prefusion, a single dose, either vaccine of half ml, given IM, both vaccines indicated for those 60 and over. So the CDC has a very careful decision-making process, and it's painstaking. I have sat through lots of meetings, listening hours to the evidence synthesis that's actually based on weeks of work by our civil servants at CDC. They ask the questions, and it's called evidence to recommendation framework. Is it a public health problem? What are the benefits and harms? What are the values of the recipients, the people who are going to get the vaccine? Do they want this? Is it acceptable? And that's acceptable to us, to the physicians, to the practitioners, to the pharmacist. Is it feasible? We ran into problems with feasibility with the cold storage requirements for COVID vaccines. Resource use, is it cost effective? And then what's the impact on equity, particularly as we look at the issues 
of racial disparities? Does it make a difference in that? Now, the one that we spend most of the time on is the benefits and harms. That is done by a comprehensive literature review. And so CDC does a literature review for the world's literature. They then grade the evidence in a very explicit way using a system called grade. And it's transparent. You could go today, go right now if you want to do it on your phones or your tablets. You can go to the CDC, look up evidence to recommendations. You will find it for the RSV vaccines. You can also go to the grade evidence synthesis and the grade rankings. Again, CDC grade, ACIP, and put in RSV vaccine. It will take you right there. It's a transparent, explicit process. And I'm going to give you a little peek because it takes many hours of this process being presented. I'm going to condense it to about five minutes for you, but give you a peek at what is done behind the scenes and then in open things. The first, the question, is it a big problem? It is lots of hospitalizations on the order of flu. Then we also looked, is since we're looking at 60 and above, is it in that age group a problem? Age is a major factor. And so then CDC, and you get one of these questions for each of them. The working group says, is it no, yes, probably in between, don't know. And the working group pretty clearly said, yes, this is a public health problem. And they'll do that for each one of those evidence to recommendation. So then we look at the benefits and harms and how desirable and things. So going with the first vaccine, we're look, I'm going to call your attention to the RSV, Associated Medically Attended, LRTD, Lower Respiratory Tract Disease on the very right. Season 1, 85% protection. Overall, combined seasons 1 and 2, 81%. And season two was 22, 23, so as you can imagine, it's, we're still waiting for all the final data to be presented. But as of the vote, this was the data available showing um, good protection over two seasons. Works well, great, 85%. I like that number. That's far better than flu, and I'm a flu epidemiologist. Then we have to look at what's the safety, what are the potential harms. Serious adverse events, like would lead to a hospitalization. 4.3% for the vaccine, 4.1% versus placebo, 4.3 versus 4.1. That's a relative risk of 1.04. The confidence interval there of 0.9 to 1.2 includes 1. There's no statistical difference. On serious adverse events, placebo was the same as the vaccine. Severe reactions like sore arm, but rated not just as a little bit, but really sore, severe sore arm. Or severe systematic effects, 1% for the vaccine, 0.7%. Relative risk, 1.04, does include one, it's not statistically significant, but appears to be a little more common for the vaccine. In rare cases, there were three inflammatory neurologic events in the prefusion. Now, three is very hard. Single digits are very hard to measure. I mean, you can count them easily, but it's hard to measure in a study, a study of almost 19,000 persons. And so there were the three events. One was Guillain-Barre syndrome, one was Miller-Fisher syndrome, and the other was uh, motor sensory polyneuropathy. Are these causal or are these spurious? We need more information. And so this is an area of further research. 
And that's what will be happening. Both the manufacturer has committed to looking at this issue and CDC's Vaccine Safety Office, which has no ties to manufacturers, is also looking. It's an area that will be studied and we'll have more information over the next year. The other vaccine that's come been licensed recently against RSV-associated medically attended lower respiratory tract disease, 88%, combining two seasons, 78%. And again, we'll have more. These were, again, just ending in 2023, and so we'll have more data on that second season. But again, strong for the second vaccine in terms of safety for that. We have, for serious adverse events, for hospitalization, 4.4 versus 4.3. Relative risk of 1.02 includes one not statistically significant. Severe reactive genicity events like sore arm, 3.8% in the vaccinee, 0.9% in the placebo. That is different, 4.1%. Confidence interval excludes one that is statistically significant. And so with this vaccine, you do get some sore arms that come with it. That's not surprising given this vaccine has an adjuvant. And for other adjuvanted vaccines in adults, we've been using and seen this very similar kind of things. Not in the controlled studies, but found in all the studies, there were three cases for this vaccine as well, one case of Guillain-Barre and two cases of acute disseminated encephalomyelitis that were occurred because that was part of the study that was not a placebo control. We don't have the background rates to look at that. So both vaccines, we are looking carefully at what the safety profile will be. This is the summary then from the working group. For both vaccines, the evidence rating overall, moderately certain. We'd like more data, the second year finish. The benefits are clearly there. The harms are small. There was a small imbalance of atrial fib. For both vaccines, 10 events in the intervention arm, more events in the control arm. All of us who practice have seen paroxysmal AFib. Are these numbers different? Is 10 different than four? Maybe. We, again, will be watching that. And the majority favored age 65, someone at age 60, and the CDC eventually decided in the full open meeting that age 60 would be the recommendation. So the next part of it is what the values and what's the variability. This is a survey that was done, and in the survey, 77 percent said they would definitely, and these are the blue figures, or probably would get an RSV vaccine if recommended by us, the healthcare providers, 77%. In the red, 10% said no. And then unsure was the balance, 13%. So 77% yes, 13% maybe, 10% no. And so there is a, certainly a, a vaccine hesitant but the vast majority are willing uh, to be vaccinated. And so here is the summary of the evidence framework. The values, yes, there is some variability. There's that 10% that won't, but yes, most of the people want it. Is it acceptable to stakeholders? Yes, we don't want to take care of RSV hospitalizations. None of us do. So the physicians and clinicians are very much on the side. Is it feasible? This is a simple storage a vaccine that's like many of the other vaccines to store that we use in practice. And in fact, it's less, less finicky than many of the others. Yes, it's very feasible. Is it a cost-efficient use of resource? Probably yes. It all depends on the price. 
Obviously, there's a lot of disease to prevent, but is it cost-effective? Probably. It, again, depends on what your final price is. And then equity. Because groups of color often have higher rates of diabetes and COPD, they actually suffer more proportionally for RSV, and by having a vaccine that would protect them, we'll have a benefit. And so we'll probably increase equity, reduce disparity. So the CDC recommended persons age 60 and older may receive a single dose of vaccine using shared clinical decision-making. So the decision-making, there is no default. That should be made on a discussion by the healthcare provider and the patient guided by what's the best evidence of who benefits, by the individual's characteristics, values, and preferences, by the clinician's discretion, their clinical discretion, and the characteristics of the vaccine. So here are the persons at high risk, those with chronic lung disease, including asthma, chronic heart disease, immunocompromising conditions, including transplant, hematologic disorders, neurologic disorders, again, that can have decreased in the thoracic capacities, particularly with neuromuscular disorders, endocrine disorders such as diabetes, chronic kidney disease or liver disease, residents of long-term care facilities, those with frailty, advanced age, and other conditions that you as a clinician might be consider a risk factor in this particular. So we can use all of these. The RSV has shown us the question of when do you give it, that weekly hospitalizations do start, and they're typically, in most years, starting about November. At least in Pittsburgh, November is when I can say RSV season started. It didn't listen to me. It started two weeks ago in, in Pittsburgh. I wish the virus would pay attention to my teaching, but it decided to come about the second week in October is when we had our uptick in at Children's Hospital of RSV cases and then beginning to see it in the adult system as well. There is obviously the green peak from a pandemic and the changes in the pandemic. This season, you'd like to give it as soon as you have vaccine, and you'd like to get it before the season because it takes a little while, a week or two, for antibodies to develop. Continue to offer it, though, in the RSV throughout the season to the eligible adults who remain unvaccinated. Will we need to revaccinate? We don't know. We don't have the data. This is the first year of rolling it out. So we have to look at the studies and look at the studies in a couple of normal RSV seasons. So the takeaway points, groundbreaking technology. This is good news. Two, by parenthetically, two of my kids were put in the hospital and on oxygen because of RSV. I personally had that in my family. Studies of both of these vaccines for older adults in the pandemic just demonstrated high effectiveness rates. We would like larger data sets to evaluate the risk of rare adverse events. CDC does recommend a single dose in adults age 60 or older using shared clinical decision making. And future data will guide CDC in determining if a stronger vaccine recommendation is warranted. Thank you very much to our faculty and thank you to our learners for joining in. As a reminder, to view the full program, Ready, Set, Vaccinate, Clinical Implementation of RC Vaccination for Older Adults on the Clinical Care Options website. And to access more activities on this topic, click on the link in the show notes for this episode. 
And please be sure to check back for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you and have a great day.